Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. This is episode 2766 of the Survival Podcast, and this is usually a Just Jack show. It will not be a Just Jack show today. Nope. It will be an interview show. I started getting a little trickling of questions in for Jeremy Kaufman, who is the uh, CEO and co-founder of Library, LBRY.TV, and the new brand kind of front, customer-focused side of things that we'll talk about more today than, than the underlying tech of Library, Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. And, you know, for an interview that was kind of technical and in the video content creation space and whatever... The trickle of questions that came in for him was more than normal. You know, like, well, Jeremy said this, what about that like type of thing. So I was like, I wonder how much interest there is. So I went on MeWe and Parlor and said, hey, you got any questions for Jeremy Kaufman? And poof, they came in. So I reached out and said, hey, look, dude, um, I could have you on next week on Tuesday around noon if you want to do it. And I got a ton of questions. He said, sure. Why is that unique? Jeremy's the CEO of a company, right? and not, not a tiny, it'll be a little tiny company with like one person in it, right? I mean, this is, it's not a behemoth, but this is a significant company with investors who say, hey, you know, you got to do a good job, that type of thing. For a person like that, with no idea, and I mean none, as to what those questions were, and with one bit of foreknowledge, I did tell him some of the questions are a little bit complainy or critical, He said, no problem. And to come and sit for an hour in basically a lightning round, unknown, on the record, for a CEO of a tech company like this is not typical. And the answers were fantastic, including as we, we, we bounced some ideas off each other, and I was giving him ideas. You're going to hear him in the middle of this interview say, while you were talking, I fired an instant message over to one of my tech people, and they're working on that. In my life of almost 50 years, and in you know my career of almost 30 years in interacting with technical companies at one level or another, I have never seen anybody do anything like that. And the stuff they're doing is innovative, it's important, and it's Good. I mean, that's that's something else that you just love to be able to say about a company to do. What they're doing is good for people and good for communications and good for technology. I think after today's interview, you will see why I am all in on Odyssey. And again, spelled a little funky, O-D-Y-S-E-E, Odyssey, right? And I'll even ask him about that today. It was the first question. Like, somebody said, what the hell is with a name that doesn't spell, ain't spelled right? Uh, I will add to what you'll hear from him. It's 2020, and if you want a name with a .com after it, and you don't want it to be 800 characters long, uh, you probably have to come be, be creative. I think it's a cool brand. I'm very excited about Odyssey. I'm very excited about the underlying cryptocurrency. Not because I think I'm going to buy a bunch of it, and one day it's going to be worth $1,000 a unit or something like that, because it works. It works right now. 
in an ecosystem designed for it to work. How many times have I said that? When somebody says they have a new cryptocurrency, and you know, I'm bringing on somebody with a cryptocurrency tomorrow, new crypto, newish cryptocurrency, um, I'll have some tough questions for them, like, why do you exist? Why should I use you instead of some other cryptocurrency or what have you? And I've always said it's about the utility of the token or the coin. What does it do unique in a way that benefits the the people that use it? And so what's unique about LBC, which is the cryptocurrency underlying the library and Odyssey technology, is when you sign up, it's just there. You have access to it. You can earn it by doing things, and you can give it to other people because you like them. It works immediately. You don't have to give. I mean, if you want to buy some, there's some hurdles to jump through to buy it, but when it comes to just earning some with watch rewards and stuff like that, invite rewards, it's just there. It's just there. They're on some swap sites where if you have some Bitcoin, you can go get some and you can throw it in your account over there, and boom, you're on board, and you're you're able to reward creators, and you're able to earn as a creator. It's cool. It I don't know another cryptocurrency that does something like this. There were a lot of stuff that came out during the crypto boom. We're going to be a cryptocurrency for the electrical industry. Do they need one? Have they asked for one? Who are you going to do it for? Just be, And they would just make a case off an industry. Here's a place where they built a technology that actually works, that does things that are valuable to humanity, and built a cryptocurrency into it that inherently works right away, not later. It's not a white paper idea that someday we're going to do these great things. I think this is a fantastic company. I think it's a fantastic place to build a business. And well, I'm going to ask Jeremy today, you know, what happens if the big tech comes in and offers you $3 billion? Listen to his answer. I think it's a great answer. With that, before we bring Jeremy on, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day today. First up, Jeff the Berkey Guy Gleason. Now, you don't talk about a good guy. Jeff's a good guy. He's always been a good guy. He's always taken care of this audience. If anything goes wrong, he always makes it right. And you can get a Berkey anywhere, but to get the best service and the best price, the best backing in the industry, Go to The Berkey Guy, Jeff The Berkey Guy Gleason. He's good at everything except marketing. So his website's not theberkeyguy.com, which would make total sense. It is directive21.com, directive21.com. Check it out. A lot of other really cool stuff for your prepping needs there as well. Next up today, knifekits.com. Look, knifekits.com is a place to get started in the world of knife making. It can be a hobby. It can be something fun. It can be a project with the kids. It can be a gift. It can be a family heirloom. It can be a side hustle. It can turn into a full-time business. It can all start right at knifekits.com. They have been a long-term sponsor of the show. Been with us, God, I'm going to say 10 years. 10 years they've been sponsoring the show. Do a discount for MSB as well. Check them out today at knifekits.com. With that, let's go ahead and introduce Well, actually, I have a quote of the day that I thought would be a really great quote to go with a tech entrepreneur building a blockchain-based video content distribution service built on blockchain and its own cryptocurrency. So, of course, you know, I have to have some modern technical person to... No, 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 no. person I don't think I've ever quoted ever before, maybe in a paper in school or something, Louis Pasteur. Yeah, the pasteurization guy, Louis Pasteur. He said, uh, science knows no country because knowledge belongs to humanity and is the torch which illuminates the world. And you might think, well, Jack, Mr. Pasteur would be disgusted today because look at what tech titans like YouTube and, and Google do or the patents that are deep involved in the technology and companies like Microsoft and what Bill Gates' evil shit. Look, you're missing the point of the quote if you're thinking that way. 
Knowledge belongs to humanity. Once a thing is known, it cannot be unknown. Once a thing is known, the idea itself cannot be contained. It cannot be possessed. It cannot be owned. The knowledge itself can be used to build something anew. Sure, we can patent pieces and parts of technology, but if, if anything you should see by the end of today, the world that exists due to blockchain and blockchain technologies and open source and things that can be built upon them truly can be a torch which will illuminate the world. Because it, it is a step into the most noble of arms races. Most arms races are horrible because they are states racing to see who can kill more people faster. And I'm not saying technology can't be used for evil. But for the first time, I believe that we have an arms race with an uneven playing field that disadvantages the state. The state cannot keep up with millions of people who know how to code. It can't do it. It can push back, pull here, whatever, but it's like one of those balloons a clown blows up at your birthday party when you're a kid, twisted into a line or whatever. You squeeze on this side, the other side inflates. You can't get your hands around it. In fact, it's kind of like that balloon combined. I don't know what they call this thing. When I was a kid, there was this thing they have at like museum shops and stuff. It was like a tube that rolled into itself full of water, and if you squeezed it, it kind of slipped out of your hands. You take the balloon and that thing and put it together, and that is the technology world we live in today in the state trying to get their arms around it. Somebody had a little gift they made one time. It was pretty cool. It was a guy on a beach trying to sweep the water back into the ocean every time the wave came in, and so it was the government trying to ban Bitcoin. That's the world of technology that we're about to talk with our, talk about today with our special guest, Jeremy Kaufman. He is the CEO of Library and Odyssey. Um, and if you are struggling still with the difference between those, don't worry, we'll cover it in depth today. And with that, hey, Jeremy, man, welcome back to the Survival Podcast. It is so great to be here. Look, man, you know, I'm really excited to have you back on. This is one of those things that doesn't happen often. I don't generally reach out to a recent guest and say, come back on. But a few questions trickled in, and I was like, I wonder, like, how much interest there really is in Library Odyssey. So I threw up a post on MeWe, and I threw up a post on Parler, and the questions rolled in. There's some great questions. So excited to have you back, and that shows us a lot of interest in Odyssey and Library. There seems to be a little bit of branding confusion now, which any rebranding effort always causes. Um, and that kind of leads to our first question. And just so you know, I've been like, I went out and did a post like a week after our interview and said, from now on, I will always say Odyssey when I'm talking about this, unless there's a compelling reason otherwise to try to help with that. But what, the first question we have is, why the hell did you choose Odyssey as a misspelled word for your rebranding effort? Well, I, I'm, you know, I didn't actually develop the brand myself. Uh, uh. I think uh, so it, was, it was developed uh, by uh, Julian Chandra at our company. Uh, so I think it's a good. Uh, I think it's a decent name, though. Uh, people haven't. Uh, people haven't had trouble really finding it. You know, you want to find a word that uh, people can understand and people can say, but that can also lead uniquely to you. Uh, you know, this is why, for example, you know, car companies are are always coming up with like this thing that like almost sounds like a word. You yeah. Know? Uh, so that that was definitely or part drug of the, companies, right? Entresto, so it sounds like entrust, right? Yeah, e exactly, exactly. So, uh, and we have a post up about why you know we created Odyssey itself and why we're trying to separate 
uh, you know, the web experiences, the YouTube, the YouTube alternative, which is what Odyssey is designed to be. It is a competitor to YouTube. It's the best one out there. Um, and so we wanted to have a name that's purely that. Uh, and so that's why we came up with, uh, with Odyssey and why we're creating this, this, uh, brand that's separate from the library name. So, uh, someone said, well, this all sounds great, you know, freedom of content, et cetera, and expression and blockchain and cryptocurrency. But what happens if Google walks in and offers you $3 billion to buy you out? Does it, like, all go away? Well, I, I love that question because it's foundational to our business to make that not be possible. Everything with and this is what so this is so this is <laughs> and this gets into the underlying library technology. So I do want to emphasize before I, I answer the whole heart of this question, the whole point of Odyssey.com is that you don't need to understand some of what I'm about to say. Okay. It's just a YouTube alternative. You load it. It's nice. It works well. It's cool. That's it. It's But, a frame, and it shows you stuff from the library blockchain in a way that makes it user friendly. It's a GUI. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, so could, could Google buy my company and shut down odyssey.com? The answer is, well, they couldn't do it while I'm in charge. Uh, <laughs> but suppose that, you know, whatever that's like the bus scenario or the zombie scenario or the mind virus scenario and, and they buy it, they could shut down odyssey.com. Full stop. They can. Could they shut down library, the underlying protocol? No, they couldn't. Right. Uh, but one of the reasons we did this, could they shut down library TV? They could. They could shut down that too. Um, because those are domains that are owned by a company that are at least semi centralized. But everything that's happening on those interacts with this underlying open decentralized technology that's called library. Everything in that technology is open source. Um, and not, it's, it's essentially the, the company doesn't own the technology itself. It's all open source. Anyone else can use it. Anyone else can implement it. So some, someone out there uh, who, who is technically sophisticated, they could make another instance right now and call it whatever they want and access content from the library network and display it. So uh, um, there's these, these clients that we use. And when I say client, I mean the equivalent of something like, you know, like Outlook is a mail client and Gmail is a client. You know, there's clients that we use like odyssey.com. Those, those can be bought. Can someone buy email? No, you can't. There's no CEO of email. You can't call up email and say, I'm buying your company. No one owns it. It's an open standard. And so we're turning digital publishing into that same kind of idea. I, I get that. Here's my like follow-up on that, though. So let's say I upload you know, Jack's favorite five beans to, to library, which then shows up on, on Odyssey. And I get that. So library.tv, lbry.tv for those that are – not understanding the little quirky thing there. Um, my video content goes somewhere. The domain name is just pointing to a computer location of some sort. And I understand it's a blockchain, but where does my video that you say even you guys couldn't take down from that side of things live? Right? So where, where is it and who, who controls that? So it's that, that goes on to a network that is quite similar to BitTorrent, so there's a, a, a decentralized data network. Okay. Now, we do operate some nodes in that network. That's part of how we make the web versions work. But there are tens of thousands of other nodes in that network. And part of what – and this is still getting built out a little bit. 
Um, but there will be uh, economic incentives to participate in that data network right now. Right now it is people who are um, largely being uh, good citizens and or uh, don't realize that what they're doing when they run the desktop client. Um, uh, but the intent is to provide full economic incentive for mm. data to stay online as well. So in some ways then it operates like what was the thing I used to use to get music for free? Um, LimeWire. It, it, there is a peer-to-peer -peer aspect to it, yes. Uh, we're trying to uh, avoid developing a, a brand that is... Yeah, 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 I get that. Do, but but yes, I'm just saying, yes, like, that's kind of how things, it yes. works. Yeah. Like, I would download, like, one of my favorite Joe Cocker songs, and somebody else would want to download that song, and it would grab a piece of that song from me and a piece from somebody else for that other person. Sort of, kind of? Yeah. Yeah, you can, yeah, I, uh, and, um, from a technical perspective, BitTorrent is the most similar, uh, comparison, uh, okay. or IPFS, but, uh, yes, it's very, it's very similar. And you, so you can, and this is true right now, so you can, you can use library desktop and it is possible to access content, you know, via the library protocol, via, uh, and, and access no computers that are owned by my company. Okay. So we do, we do operate. A number of computers in that network because so much of the traffic is coming in on the web instances, but it's possible to use the network without interacting with us. Do you have any potential for like some sort of native modal app, mobile app that would support quick viewing and uploading? Um, and I guess that kind of blends into some other questions that people are asking here about iOS. So I know you guys have an Android app, but since I don't use Android, I don't understand what it looks like or how it works. And I think yeah. this is more on the Odyssey side. Like, you know, I have a YouTube app on my iPhone. Yep. And I can upload content and all that shit. But does iOS hate both Odyssey and the library? Are you going to be able to get into that market? I think that's what they're uh, asking. I, I very much expect to get into that market. And something I want to be, be clear about is that the Odyssey brand is intended to serve that market. Now, we expect to have much better policies than YouTube. We're not, we're not trying to be YouTube 2.0. The Odyssey brand is intended to be something that is, you know, certainly acceptable enough to remain in the app stores. Okay, in terms, you know, yeah. so I don't. I'm not saying I'm always in love with those policies, but that's the intent of the of the Odyssey brand. Now, uh, to the extent that the library brand is is out there as a client still, that will be the the one that, uh, you know, should that there ever be a conflict between those things, um, you know, the library brand would not compromise in terms of filtering or or these kinds of things. But Odyssey is intended to be something that would absolutely be acceptable uh, to those app stores. Now, that said, we don't think that means you have to do what YouTube is doing. We don't think that means you have to do that. We don't think that means you have to do what Facebook is doing. So I'm not trying to say we're going we're trying to recreate the, the current policies that that big tech um, is following, okay? Um, uh, but, I mean, this um, is kind of digging into, we have a, like a later question on this. We'll, let's pull it in here now because it'll probably help you with explaining this. People want to know, like, so what if somebody uploads child porn? What if somebody uploads three guys getting shot in the head? You know, things like that. Like, and, and you say you can't take it down. Well, then how does that work? Because I think that would be any reasonable person would say, yeah, not only do I not agree with that, I really don't think that I have a problem with Apple saying, no, you can't have an app that allows that in our app store. Like that would be right, where right, reasonable right. people say, hey, there is a moral line here. So, so I want to, I want to, I want to be careful to delineate between, um, you know, the company, the, the technology, mm -hmm. um, and, and the, and the apps, some of which are centralized when you, uh, uh, when you use them or semi or partially centralized. So, uh, let's talk about, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now how we handle, uh, illegal content and, and it'll probably make it 
clear. Okay. Because right? illegal content has to be – there are things you have to do, right? Yeah. Um, we're not allowed to serve illegal content. We're not trying to facilitate illegal content. So if something is known to us to be uh, illegal, uh, we put it on um, – we well, we, we validate those claims. But assuming it's a valid claim that something is illegal, we maintain um, a blacklist. Uh, this is a list that we maintain as a company. Uh, we publish it to uh, the blockchain itself. And then nodes that are responsible that for returning results, for returning data, can look at that blacklist. Okay. And all the software that, that we ship is configured uh, to use it. And so, of course, all of our web instances um, are configured to use it. This same system can be used uh, to basically gray list things, to label things as um, uh, mature, violent, graphic, etc. And different clients can have different rules about what gray lists they're going to follow and filter. So, uh, you know, Odyssey is not going to allow pornography. Okay, there's no pornography on Odyssey.com. Uh, if, if someone attempts to be pu- to publish it and they don't label it properly, it would get we would put it on the on the gray list and it would get filtered from the Odyssey instance. Fair enough. Okay. Now, um, if people want to configure software that doesn't listen to those lists, they can. There's still no guarantee that the data is going to be available, right? This is just the metadata that I'm talking about here. Uh, this uh, this does get technical. Uh, should I explain data versus metadata? Sure, sure. Yeah. Anybody okay, that doesn't so, really care that much can hit the, you know, jump forward 60 seconds or whatever. <laughs> okay, this is the problem of when you ask nerds questions. Uh, so data is the file. It's the content. It's the video. It's the thing, right? Metadata is the information about the thing. The title, who published it, when was it published, uh, think, you know, things like this. The price, if it has one. So um, you, there's a legal obligation to both filter data, to not provide data. There is also a legal obligation to filter metadata. This is why uh, the Pirate Bay is not essentially not a legal website in, in most of the world, and why uh, Google filters results. If you've ever typed things into Google, you'll see at the bottom of your search results, sometimes it'll say something like, you know, 13 results were removed in accordance with the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Is something you'll see at the bottom of your search results. This is Google's legal obligation to filter metadata. Google maintains metadata about content. They don't maintain the content, right? So Google doesn't even have, doesn't have the infringing content. None of the infringing content is on Google's servers. But a description of the infringing content is on the server, right? And Google's not allowed to provide that, okay? So everything I just described is essentially the metadata filtration system. It's so that on wallet servers and other nodes that provide metadata can filter that information from being returned to the network in order to comply with the law, right? Um, at the data level, those lists can also be used. So nodes that are operating in the data network uh, the software is again configured to, to not do that kind of thing. Uh, when it, it would similarly be removed from any nodes uh, that we are running, and the library technology does not promise that something will be hosted, right? We don't promise because you can't. You yeah. can't promise 100% guaranteed, right? Like if if no one wants to watch something and it's illegal, it's not going to get hosted. If no one's willing to host it, it's not going to be there, gotcha. right? And so you can do the same kinds of legal techniques. That can um, uh, that can be done in the current web, right? There's there's illegal content on BitTorrent. So what do what do people do? They 
they uh, there are companies that do data requests and you know subpoena or or send takedown requests to the to the operators who are running nodes who are returning illegal data, right? So the same kind of thing is all is all possible here. So we don't think it's actually uh, that different from the status quo. Okay. Uh, especially in terms of the data network, it's really exactly the same thing as the as the status quo. You, it, it's quite similar to, to BitTorrent. In the um, from a legal perspective, what's probably the most different about what we're doing is that metadata, uh, the idea of putting this metadata in a blockchain. Uh, from an innovation perspective, that's um, probably one of the one of the most innovative things about the technology. So I will say that uh, I've paid lawyers a lot of money. To tell me they don't know exactly <laughs> how that will um, how that will ultimately be judged, but they tell me it's like very likely to be legal, and we're certainly not being criminal. Um, you know, so so sometimes courts decide things different than the lawyers say, and I yeah. can give examples of this where like all of a sudden a court rules this technology is legal, or I'm sorry, is illegal, and you you would have thought it was going to be legal, right? Like we didn't know how the Napster cases were going to. It wasn't actually Napster, but it was like. Um, Kazaa, no, what was the main one? Nutella? Nutella was the big case, right? That was this big peer-to-peer Supreme Court case. And no one knew how that was going to be ruled. Um, so there is, you know, the, the Supreme Court could say Bitcoin is illegal, right? Like, yeah. they could just say that. Yeah. Uh, you know, would the network survive? I think it probably, I think, well, I think it almost certainly would. Would it Would it be a lot harder for people in the United States to use it? Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be true. Sure. Um, so, you know, we don't ultimately know um, how some of those things will be judged. But we think what we're doing is, like, wholly compliant and, and not that different. Uh, a little bit better, a little bit different from the status quo, but not that different. Yeah, and I think it's also kind of like when things are unknown, a company's obligation is to make best effort. Like, and, yeah. and so that you can protect yourself fiduciarily. Hey, we have made best effort to comply with this. Since you clowns won't tell us what we actually have to or not have to do. So, uh, it's, so it's so it's so frustrating. Actually, <laughs> that's like the worst part about about this job. Uh, can I can I get in like a little a little mini rant here? About yeah, something? man, go. Yeah. People right, love so that shit. There's, there's <laughs> this aspect that, of whether or not blockchain tokens are securities, right? If tokens are securities, they're handled from way differently from a legal perspective. Sure. And basically, the SEC's test, it, one of the key tenets is like whether the token is sufficiently sort of decentralized. Mm-hmm. And the, the guidance for how they apply this test is it basically doesn't exist. So you have no idea. How, how, like, what that means. What does it mean? Well, you have to be sufficient. Well, how? What does that mean? What's sufficiently decentralized? We're not going to tell you. (laughs) It's effectively the answer that you get. And they've even gone so far as to say that Ethereum, when they did, they said the Ethereum ICO, initial coin offering, that was illegal. That what Ethereum did was a violation of securities law. And then they also said that Ethereum is sufficiently decentralized today. So trading your you know, trading the token is not a securities exchange. Mm-hmm. They have not said when it even happened. Yeah, how does that change? Right, like yeah. that means that there's a moment in time it flipped from one to the other. Like if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna have this kind of test, you need to be able to express like, oh, okay, like December 16th it was, <laughs> you know, it was it was a security, and December 17th it wasn't. You know, and they don't give you any of this information, and so you spend all this money, you're just burning this money to ask people who cost who cost a lot of money. And they're just like, well, we don't know. (laughs) It's like it's just inscrutable. Like no one knows what to do. And and it's and it's so like it's so 
I, I you know I think everything's gonna gonna work out for us, but it's just it would be so sad to have spent like you know millions and millions of dollars like all and not just that like, all these people's time like there's a lot of people who care about what we're building here and you're just doing it and you're just like hoping that yes. one day you know won't be like oh sorry you know it's not allowed you know and it's and it'd be nice if there was like some kind of like I would have spent a million dollars just to be told if what we're doing is like okay or not. <laughs> you know yeah and but you can't do that you just have to build it and then one day you find out and it's I, I don't know i don't like it and i think building the underlying tech to where like well we want to take it down good luck i think there's <laughs> there there that's that's why to always build that base level tech and that's why i think you know blockchain etc some of the stuff we talked about today is the way to go forward let's let's move to something a little less convoluted more on some features and stuff um Person's asking a question about RSS feeds. Do you guys ever see implementing RSS? So I guess content can be syndicated off of a channel or a playlist or a search result or something like that. I guess that's what they're asking because that was the totality of the question. Yeah, I expect I, I expect that that will come. Um, it's not. And if there's any uh, any contributors out there, I did mention that all of our code is open source. That's a very feasible project for someone to do. I expect that'll come. I don't have it on our roadmap at this time. It's definitely not at the top of it, but it's very feasible, and I expect it will come. Here's an interesting thought that that just made me think of. So one of my cryptos that I've seen a lot of potential for, though it's not really realized, that is Arc. Um, it's a, it's a, a proof of stake crypto. I think it's a Lisk uh, clone as it came out of mm -hmm. the Lisk world. And they have things where, like, oh, we would like this feature. And what they do is if somebody can do it, they pay that developer in Arc. Yeah. Would you consider something like paying a developer to do, like, a thing like that in LBC coin? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll say right now, if someone wants to do that, you know, that's probably we, – we'd give something like 25000 50000 LBC for, for something like that. Okay. Okay. Um, we we and we do that already. Okay. If people make contributions, uh, we always uh, offer um, some coin uh, for for someone who comes in and makes a contribution. We found that the time it took to proactively spec things that we weren't gonna do and yeah. put a bounty on them like upfront like wasn't worth the effort to yeah. reward. Because um, a lot of the best contributors I've found, because we used to do that as well, actually, as we stopped doing it. Okay. Um, a, a lot of the best contributors I found, like, they didn't even come in through the bounty program. Like, a lot of the best contributors, like, well, I know how open source works. I know how to set up a repo. And they just come in and they start uh, messing around. Some of these people um, are, even work here <laughs> now. Yeah. That's how we hired them, right? Um, so the the – there are people it's a duocracy, you know, right? If you want it, do it, and if we like it, we'll adopt it and we'll compensate. Exactly, exactly, okay. yeah. And so we do try to be very fair about that, and I think that's a reason that we have um, um, it's well over a hundred. I think it might even be as many as two hundred uh, people contributed to to the code base, and only about ten of them work at this company. That's so badass. there are people who are making a lot of contributions. That's badass. What kind of growth have you guys had? You mentioned you had a lot of growth last time. Um, but you didn't kind of put any metrics into that, and has it been sustaining, or did you get like a big pop when you went out with Odyssey and it kind of fell? I mean, is it a sustainable growth pattern? Um, it's been it's been very good. I actually have as an open tab right now, Jack, our monthly growth because I'm I'm working on some some reports for other people that I have to share as a CEO. Sure. And so, um, it's been it's been very steady. It's been some months better than others, but it's been up. Every month uh, this year, uh, except for one, 
Uh, Odyssey, definitely a pop uh, starting in um, late September. But our biggest growth uh, was actually just last week. So, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, biggest growth being last week is something that has happened probably like, <laughs> I don't know, like 10 or 20 weeks this year. <laughs> okay. Because you keep hitting your biggest, you know, like growth tends to be relative to your current size, so you're constantly hitting new records. Yeah. Uh, so I will say it's been, it's been psychologically, it's been great. I think it, the team feels very motivated just to be hitting, you know, better numbers, like, like really, really consistently. So, um, yeah, it, it really hasn't let up. I think we had, I'll, I'll give you an actual figure. Um, so October we did uh, seven, almost 7.5 million uh, uniques um, across all uh, across all of our apps. Wow, well, that's yeah. that's significant for a company that really has just come on to 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 really coming into its own. You've been around a while, but it's it's been recently that you've really been making the big push. And that's another question we have: is what marketing are you doing? Is this all just pretty much organic people sharing it? Obviously, you come on podcasts and things like that, but like, is there any real kind of marketing outreach from Odyssey beyond just we just keep doing good things and hoping people share it? It's almost entirely that. We are trying to do a, a bit more directly with creators since the launch of Odyssey. So either exclusives or other you know partnership type things to um, to help spur their audience coming on. Uh, but it's been really, really substantially uh, organic, word-of-mouth type growth. And it, it, it goes back, actually, all the way to almost a full year ago. I believe it was November, something like November 19th last year, was when Library.tv launched. And that was the first time you could use Library over the web. Um, we had you. We started as a you know, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, um, like arguably it was the network was... Uh, Basically, we started with a desktop app, and that, that desktop app was you could the only way you could use it was the pure BitTorrent way, right? Okay. The pure peer-to-peer -peer way. Uh, and then we wanted to bring it onto the web because we felt that just having it only a desktop app was was holding us back, basically. And so we brought it onto the web, and so the the growth really began all the way back in November, um, and and has been has been steady with it with another explosion uh, since the launch of Odyssey. Gotcha. So on that, like, you know, we have a lot of people listening to us right now that, are, that like good shit to happen. And so is it a benefit to Library and Odyssey that people, instead of using Odyssey as Odyssey Online, get the app and use the app? By having more people use the app, does that make performance across the network better? Uh, it absolutely is helpful to have more people using the desktop app. So if you're watching primarily on your desktop computer, uh, please get the desktop app and and use that one. But you shouldn't feel like you have to if odyssey.com is easier for you to use, is better for you to use. You know, I would say the desktop client is like more for – I don't mean to put it negatively because okay. I'm this, this way a bit myself. Like, like you know, the purist, you know, the kind of person who is – You know, if you're still using a local email client as opposed to a web one, or you're like, you know, still uh, doing, you know, operating in that in that way, you know, you're a Linux guy, you're, and it's a, but it runs on Windows, of course, but but um, you're a little bit more that way. Yeah. Um, you know, you have your you're you're, you're keeping your own Bitcoin, yeah, because uh, that's actually a big part of it too. If you have the library cryptocurrency, right? When you 
not your keys, not your wallet is is something that people say in the Bitcoin space. Um, yep. So if you're the kind of person who likes to have your own Bitcoin, you know, you might want to have you might want to use the, the desktop client. So, I mean, I guess the only negative to that at this point that I can see is you guys and you said this last time you're on the air. Odyssey has made it a lot easier for you to do stuff to serve the user and serve the creator, like uh, up and down ratings, categories, like all that stuff. So if you're using the desktop app, you're pretty much running the library site on your desktop, if I understand it. So you, there, isn't an, there isn't an Odyssey equivalent to that. Yeah, we are, we are trying way, to find ways to bring these uh, um, together a little bit more. Um, but it is part of the why, and this this is actually also part of why we launched Odyssey. Though is a lot of times it's faster to do something in the centralized way or yep. something in the decentralized way. It, it's it's tough to see how it could work or it has some problems. So we feel the core decentralized network around like publishing identity and distributing the content itself. Like we think that tech is really solid, but there are things that it it can't do yet, like upvotes and downvotes and comments, and we were starting to bring these in, but then that was also causing confusion because people thought that library TV was library, right? And it's not. And yeah, so we yeah. want, we want to have the library brand be kind of the, the pure decentralized software package and odyssey.com can, can lay on more features. We would love to, um, bring these into the protocol. Um, and if we do, then they'll, they'll become more available in the, in the desktop app. So that's why I was saying you have to be, you know, like, look, I use, I use Coinbase and I use a local Bitcoin wallet. Gotcha. You can use both. There are, sometimes you want the benefits of a centralized service. Sometimes you want the benefit of the decentralized way of doing things. So you can also use both if you are comfortable sharing your wallet with us, um, which is what you're doing when you, when you create an account. You can, um, it will actually even copy it back and forth. So you can, you can essentially like have the same experience across Odyssey and uh, the, the desktop client, if that's your preference. Okay. Okay. Um, what is your biggest challenge competing with YouTube? Is it just that they're, you know, been there for 15 years and have everybody already, or uh, are there any other unique challenges? Yeah. Uh, well, so one of the biggest challenges, although I think we're over this one at this point, is you know, we were essentially trying to kickstart a, a two-sided market is the the academic business term you know where you want people who are you need people who are creating content and people who want to watch content and the people who want to watch content go you know well what creators do you have and the people yeah. who create content go well what audience do you have right yeah so, so figuring out how to bootstrap the whole thing um was definitely a big challenge i think we're we're over that a little bit i mean it's it's definitely hard it's a small team uh, I think everyone that works here is, is very bright, very talented, um, but we're, we're taking on an, uh, an entity that's a thousand times our, our size. So we're, we're definitely the David, and, and that can be a little bit intimidating at times, and it can be, um, you know, it can feel like you've got a, a mountain to climb at times. But honestly, my, psychologically, I think the whole team around here, you know, we were toiling on this thing for like a year and a half in decentralized land with like, basically flat user numbers <laughs> so so like the last year it may have been um some stress at times but i think everyone actually feels really good about it because you feel like you're succeeding and so that's very motivating very motivating to to continue what's the hardest part of getting creators to come on board with odyssey i mean to me it, it, library either one because you guys didn't have odyssey yet when i came on board as soon as i knew oh, I can plug some stuff in and all my stuff on YouTube will start going over over there. 
done. Like I was done. I just I'm doing that. Um, but I I imagine what you you'd like in the future is to get to the point where creators are specifically saying it's not like an adjunct, but you know I'm I'm an Odyssey creator. What is the hardest thing about getting us over there and getting us you know kind of building in that ecosystem? Yeah, I I think that's um, I think that's one of our current challenges and a related one actually. And that challenge is is getting the whole uh, monetization and economy in the in the right place, both from an abstract design perspective and from a user experience perspective of you know cashing in and cashing out and this kind of thing. Uh, it's you know creators. Well, I don't want to speak for I don't want to speak for all of them, and I certainly don't want to speak for you. Sure. I think it's you. You have an audience on a platform, and the reality is, it's hard to move them. You know, your audience, Jack, is probably they're more into this stuff. They're more into the problem, and they they recognize that you know big tech is gone. And, and still, just to speak you to know. your point, like when I moved over to MeWe and I finally gave up on Facebook, I have over a hundred and ten thousand followers on Facebook. I have about 4,000 on MeWe after not just saying I'm going over here, but saying I'm done with Facebook. I'm not there anymore. You know, once in a while I'll do a drive-by and try to get banned by Zuckerberg, and that's it. And still, <laughs> it's that hard to move those people over. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, if it's the if it's the guy who's literally banned, you know, they're a bit more eager. But, but uh, you know, but otherwise, it's – now. Um, I think hopefully, hopefully it's a little bit easier to get them to move on to onto Odyssey than uh, to move on to MeWe. But I think the answer is it takes time. You basically have to do exactly what you're doing, which is continue to to pop back in and be like, "Hey guys, like still still over here," you know, yep. and try to find ways because some people aren't going to do it till the seventh time they're told. Some people aren't going to do it until the twelfth time mm. or requested, not told. But you know, yep. it's yeah. Until something pisses them off and they don't want to be there anymore, too. Exactly. And I think exactly. one thing for me that I struggled with is like, so you build up all this this presence and then you go over to a new platform and you don't feel that you're being successful, but you forgot what your first six months on YouTube or your first six months on Facebook or Twitter was like. That, and you that don't is... realize that you are so much more successful on this new platform, because you did bring some people with you. You did prime the pump. And what I think creators really need to start looking at is, well, how impactful is this? How responsive is this? Because I get, this is not really an Odyssey thing, but it's a similar situation. Like, I know right now, with just under 3,000 followers on Parler, that when I put a post up, I get better metrics than almost 20,000 on Twitter. So do I care about my grandiose number or do I care about my responsiveness? How many people actually see, respond, engage? And what I'm finding is, you know, I'm still building my presence on Odyssey, but the engagement is high relative to the, the view. Like the, the user is more engaged. The user is more excited. The user feels that they're part of something. And the time, you, to me, you want to become a stakeholder in something like this is now. Right, because the, the same people that are like, well, I don't know, everybody's on YouTube, blah blah blah, are all are the same ones that are going. Well, it was easy for that guy because when he started on YouTube, there weren't 500 million people there. So maybe, <laughs> maybe you should recognize this new opportunity. That that's how I've tried to put it to some folks. 
that is so so well put i expect in fact that i will be clipping that later okay i i I think that that's exactly what it's about and uh, i also think and here i think it's actually even easier and we're doing really well for the new creators because the you know the next pewdiepie is not going to be found on youtube that's not where an independent, a new creator who is, is now g- getting started and now building up their following, you know, that's not where they're going to go, right? They're going to go to the new place. You know, YouTube is, look at, you know, go to the YouTube homepage, signed out, and look at the kind of, you know, content that they're amplifying. It's like cable news and Stephen Colbert. Like, they're not, they're not the place for, for independent creators. So it can be kind of hard to get the YouTuber with 5 million subscribers who's killing it on the platform to move over um, to, you know, to, to wholly commit to moving their audience over. Although some, um, some in the million range are, it, but to go to the one that has, you know, 20,000 or 50,000 or 5,000 who's, who's, who's coming up they're you know, way more about it. And they can see that uh, there is an audience on Odyssey that will get behind them and that will really engage because they're excited about what's going on over there. What about increasing discoverability of content? And let's let's kind of break this into internal, external. I have found that sometimes I feel that your search algorithm for your own content leaves a little bit to be desired. Like I'll search for a word, and I know there's some content there because I know this creator is there, and I know they're self, you know, instant migrating, and it becomes difficult to find it. And I'll get a result that says like, "This channel doesn't exist. Would you like to create it?" Oh, I'm not looking for the channel. I'm looking for fishing in the Gulf of Mexico or whatever. So that's one side of discoverability. I think the larger side of discoverability is things like making sure that video, et cetera, shows up in offsite results like Google search or DuckDuckGo or things like that. So breaking that in half are there ways that you guys can address that yeah i think we're uh i actually think on the on the seo discoverability side i think we're doing pretty well and we continue to do better because one of the things that they weigh is how much are people clicking on the result and liking it and how many how much are people visiting here and people linking here and all these things Mm -hmm. so i think uh, Odyssey needs a bit more time. It's just too new of a website, so it's like. But you can see it like shooting up the ranks. Yep. And it'll. It's just going to continue to happen. It's in terms of like also the design and all the things that they want. So I actually think we're doing um, most of almost everything that you can do, and, and I think we're doing well doing well on that front. And we'll continue to improve uh, on the on the search itself side. I will. I, I will admit it has some issues. I think it's getting a lot better. Uh, we have someone working on this project basically full time now. Uh, just just search, and um, I think it's getting. I, I think it's actually improved uh, even in the last week. Um, one of the things that we were only able to do. I don't know if this change has even gone live yet, but if not, it's going to go live very very soon. Is our uh, search capacities actually weren't able to incorporate certain highly relevant factors like. How much are people viewing this video and how popular is the channel uh, for reasons I won't get into, but we're going to be able to consider those in search results. We'll have to tune the algorithm a bit, but I think that that will help quite a bit. Uh, we're also looking at ways that uh, we can allow the community to have um, some control over results as well um, with how they're um, staking and tipping content because that content tends to be the kinds of things that that, that people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do know that there's also, I think with one of the examples that you gave, 
There is an outstanding issue with longer search terms. So like not Long length tail. of the term rather. Sorry. A lot of words, a yeah. lot of words. So when there's a lot of words in the search in particular, it tends to break down. Um, so this is sort of a known issue and we are, we are working on that, but I don't have an ETA on that one. That's, that's good. Um, that you guys are working on it though, because that would be what we call an SEO long tail. And those are the oh. most important visitors. Right. Sorry, I want to, I want to be clear. I'm talking about our internal search, like when I, you type in the box. I understand, yeah. but still, like if I'm on Odyssey and I search totally, for something totally. very yeah. specific, yeah. like I am the ideal viewer if you actually match my content request. There's a lot less of the search queries for that thing, but I know what I'm looking for, and if I can find it, that would be great. On the SEO external, an idea that I have for you is giving a content creator the ability to help you by helping themselves. And way, way back in the day, I go back to the beginning of SEO when you could make, you know, the first search engine, like when people were using AltaVista for real, and you could make search engines your bitch with keyword density and title and description tags. And so I know that alone doesn't work anymore. But what still is very relevant in the search engines from a display aspect is title tag and description tags, those two meta tags. The title tag being drawn from the title of the video, that's really fine. If the person doesn't know to limit the character count to that for search engine look, that's their own problem. If there was, though, a description tag field on the creator side that would meta tag the page that displays the video with that description tag, it wouldn't get you ranked better, but what it would do is increase click-throughs. When I teach this from, a, from an optimization standpoint... People will ask, why do I even care about a meta tag if it's not going to change my search engine ranking anymore? And it's because there's two there's two parts to SEO. One is to get displayed. The other is to get selected by the user. And I teach people to write that 160-character um, description and that 60-character title as though you were writing a classified ad in a 1985 newspaper and trying to get somebody to circle yours. And if you do that your click-through rates go up dramatically. And this this exactly is, I'm going nerd now, how Google AdWords works. So when you're advertising on Google, you actually pay less if you generate more clicks. So you optimize that display to generate more clicks, and then your cost per visitor goes down. Well, of course, that also works on the organic SEO side. So if you guys could just add that field, rather than having it randomly pull the first 160 characters out of the description, because most people aren't going to know that, you could have crafted, displayed um, descriptions in your listings. And I think that would be incredibly helpful. And just by creators seeing that field, going, what is this, and put a little question mark there, it tells them what I just said in much shorter nerd, um, you could encourage that behavior because YouTube doesn't have that, and I doubt they ever will. Yeah, that's a that's a uh, that's a really interesting idea to just let um, let people control it themselves because uh, you're you're um, you're right that we are we are so we are setting them um, we do set we do of course provide those tags uh, but for the description we're taking um, for the page description we're taking the beginning of your content description rather than letting you set a custom one and that is common that you know like if you use WordPress or something you know they'll let you set set a custom one yeah, so, there's so that's plugins an interesting for it idea. or whatever I use yeah. one because a lot of yeah. creators their first line is always you know my store is here or whatever so it eats that and it's not going to be relatively it's not going to be relative to the content right because people know that when you're watching a video that that 
that textual description, usually only that first sentence or two is um, read. People watch videos for videos, not necessarily to read text, unless like there's links or something and the, the video content creator references it. So I'm going to use that first 160 characters not for the search engine. I'm going to use it for the viewer to come to tspc.co or to subscribe to my, you know, whatever. So like that's why I think another reason to break it out because odds are it's not what you would like it to be. Yeah, no, I think that I I think it makes sense to allow people to to set that. So I'll be I'll be putting that one in the cool in the queue. Cool. Let's just make your list as long as possible. Yeah. You know, the beauty though is you can take that much queue, feedback. Yeah. You can just say, yeah, we'll work on that, and you, you say that about the one you're about to release. And it looks like you did yeah. something. As always, you know. <laughs> hey, so now another another opportunity for yeah. uh, a feature here yeah. from from your. Uh, <laughs> and we've got some code nerds out audience. there, right? I'm thinking of one guy right now in particular, Jake. Yeah. Uh, you might yeah. want to get on that. Yeah. Uh, actually, that uh, not not to dissuade anyone from trying to get involved. That one actually would be quite hard because uh, it yeah. goes across our. It goes yeah. across various layers, but something like the RSS one, and there are all kinds of things like the RSS one's super feasible for for yeah. one person to bang out in a weekend. No. Um, you know, so another question from the creator side: playlists. Are you ever going to do that? Last time you said like a workaround would be I can create sub channels and then share my stuff to my sub channels. I like that idea, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. I, I really love that when I'm uploading content to YouTube, I can just say include this video in these two playlists. Yep. Uh, so uh, I agree uh, on this one. This one actually is another one that's in the feasible category because this has been built into um, the protocol, actually. Okay. So the library protocol can handle playlists. Like basically all – essentially all of the back end is done. Uh, the front end team has not been able to prioritize yet creating the actual UI for playlists. So it's. I think that's quite an endeavor. I think a lot of you know a lot of screens need to be updated and changed, and that's part of why it hasn't gotten done yet. But yeah. I expect playlists are definitely going to come, right? Like the, okay. the, um, the 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 back end work has been done. So, um, what about display? Like the guy that asked this question, for instance, gave like if he throws his uh, YouTube video on his blog, um, and that blog is running an adaptive theme so that it it widens and contracts based on the device that it's being displayed on, which is mm -hmm. the same type of theme I run. That no matter how wide it goes, the YouTube embed kind of just makes the video fit the space. And y'all's mm. is kind of like a locked, it's a specific, you know, size and it doesn't adapt. Oh. Okay. Uh, that's an interesting one. I actually was not aware of that as an issue. Uh, that's something that could almost certainly be fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's another one I'll, I'll I'll put on the list, and I guess I'll just go ahead and say um, we are uh, a pretty responsive team. It doesn't mean we can do any, everything, right? So sure. if you send us questions that's like you know win live streaming or win major feature, you know those actually aren't that helpful. But what what actually is very it's genuinely helpful if you have if there's something that is like clearly a bug like this and it's um and it's well it's you know you, it's and it's it's bothering you. Um, we we do want to very much know that. Uh, you can email us at hello at uh, library.com. I should really have an Odyssey email. I think you can email hello at odyssey.com, but I'm actually not certain about that. So yeah. email hello at library.com, and uh, if you can let us know about any kind of issue, you know, we always want to know. Uh, we care a lot about creating a great product. And go out on a limb and say, and show you. Like, yeah, here's pictures, an example yeah, where it's happening. Screenshots, yeah. links, whatever. Yeah. 
So the, cause otherwise it's like the guy that brings his car to the mechanic and says it makes a noise like, err, err, and it doesn't do it in the mechanic. I can't work off of err, err, right? Like, take your phone out and record it or something. Maybe I'll be able to figure it out then, right? So that yeah, kind of so thing. There's a, there's a programming saying, uh, that, that 90% of a bug fix is a good reproduction. So basically, if you can clearly reproduce the issue, you know, yeah. it happens every time and here's a picture and here's where it happens, yeah. you've actually done most of the job. The cool. programmer, it's very easy for a programmer if it's, if it's like, it's a bug and this is how it happens, you can bang those out as a, as a programmer. Cause you so, might find out this person's right, but they're wrong because they're using Brave and it happens on Brave, but it doesn't happen on any other, you know, I mean, Exactly. You don't so know much that of the time, you know. Yeah, so much of the time in bugs is, is issues like that where it's like, well, it's kind of a bug, but it's not really because it's this. You know, but when you have that and it's like, no, this is it. This is how it happens. It becomes very easy to fix. Cool. Um, next up, like one of the like when I first heard about you guys, I went on YouTube oddly to find out about library and 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 like started like, what do other creators like me think about this? And I found a guy that had some really great videos for you and. He's basically asking the same said or had the same complaint this person's asking about the the tedious nature of if I want to extract some of my LBC tokens that are staked to my videos by people that you know paid me for them basically voluntarily where I have to go individually to each video and say unlock this is there any way that that will ever become more expedient and like a feature I could think of that would help a lot is I probably don't care exactly where I get it from. So if, as a creator, if I wanted some for some reason out, if I could just sort my videos by who had, which ones have the most, like that would, at least I would be able to say, okay, that one has a whole shitload. Maybe I need some money. This doesn't affect me right now because I don't care. You know, the amount of staked Odyssey or LBC I have is not huge. I'm not paying my bills with it. But if I was going to start creating content for revenue, which is a great feature that I can do, I could create you know, a 10-part series on backyard permaculture and sell it in LBC. It starts to become more of an issue if I actually want to use that revenue for something. Yeah, I, I agree with this. I think this will come. This is a, uh, another one where it's, it's a bit bound on the, on the UI side. We've mm -hmm. got our... We've got our UI guys, you know, making the comments and the like system and the notification system. Because we think these these features, getting these features to be really tight, is uh, really high priority. So um, I don't think this is going to happen. This might happen this year. More realistically, it won't happen until next year. But okay. we we completely agree that that there's room for user experience. Quite a bit of room for user experience on the cash out sort of side. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Because, like I said, the only place I see it actually really being a big issue to me at this point is the first thing I thought was, boy, this would be a cool way to deliver a course instead of using Vimeo and a download software and all of that. But on the other side, if it's it's a pain in the ass to get the money out, then yeah. Uh, I, also, will, I will. I will uh, also mention actually, if uh, there is a way to do it, you have to be minorly technical. But if you can use like the Windows command line, mm -hmm. there actually is a way to do it. So you, you okay. would have to you, you download the desktop client and you run that one. And someone made a video with a tutorial for this. Okay. And there's a, a command you can run that will uh, do it for you. That's that's kind of badass. Any thoughts on event? This is like a totally out of left field one to me, but I'm going to throw it at you anyway because I said I'd throw them all at you. Um, some sort of like uh, a crypto Teespring or something like that that you guys would host and allow for the sale of merchandise for LBC or something like that. Maybe at some point, but that one's that one's unlikely to happen too soon. I think more likely things in that dire in that direction would be um, 
things around um, both like Patreon style uh, uh, creator yeah. supports and yeah. and maybe even things like I don't know this one I'll, I'll, this is more of a brainstorm comment but things like either like club like like tiered kind of things or or um, we're looking at things like um, like emojis or displays for like top fans and top supporters of of creators and channels. And uh, so we are looking to do more for creators around um, the ability to like in, both engage with their fans and also recognize the ones that are um, you know sort of supporting the most, sure, um, or encourage, or just other ways to encourage them to support and to encourage them to be regular supporters is definitely something we're looking at. So it's not exactly the uh, the question, um, but that is in the related space that I can I can talk about that. One of the things that I thought might work, and I don't know that it would, this is just a kind of an outlaw thought here, is when YouTube brought in, like, the, you know, like, the memberships or whatever, basically it was like, oh, shit, look at all this money leaking out to Patreon. We can get a piece of it, which I respect that as a business person. I'm not – but what they did was they, they hamstrung these producers because – There's like a classification of fan on YouTube. So there'll be a guy, he is subscribed to every single channel on hunting. Or this chick, she'll be subscribed to every single channel on fish tanks, right? And they have their favorites. But how many subscriber, how many channels can they throw five bucks a month to, right? And the answer for most people is probably about three before they're going to tap out at 15 bucks and say, look... I have a you know, I have a I have a Netflix subscription that does a hell of a lot more for me than Nets. Um but Brave, I, I've mentioned Brave and the, the basic attention tokens have a feature where I can lump in, say, my favorite twenty websites. And then it knows how often I visit those websites and I throw in fifteen bucks a month in bat tokens to support those websites. And it automatically says, well, 50% of them go here, 10% of them go there, 10% of like, based on use. So, like, that's complicated, but it's also been done, and probably in a more complicated way, because now you're out in the whole ecosystem of the world versus the controlled ecosystem of Odyssey. So, some sort of pooling, and if there was ever a premium, you know, YouTube Red does that with us for, um, that's a totally different world, but if you watch my videos and you're a Red member... I get a little piece based on how many red members watch. So there's like ways that that could be done that spreads it out, but people can pick their favorites and, and do something. Yeah, I, I actually think that's uh, a great design, and that's one of the designs that we're considering as we look to do more. That sort of I, I said Patreon, but I, I include. I mean this this is I mean this kind of thing too. Absolutely, uh, this is one of the ways we're looking at doing it. Okay, cool. Um, Last oh, by the way, Jack, I got I got I got to tell you. So we were talking about uh, search, and I had my work chat open, and I was like, and I just sent a quick message <laughs> of talking talking to Jack, and you know, ex we could probably just could we just boost exact title matches, you know, would that help a little bit? And someone already uh, committed a change <laughs> and oh, cool. pushed it up. So that is that is just wanted to say, you know, that's how fast uh, we'll turn around things here cool. sometimes. That's we're, badass. We're, See, I yeah. feel important now. That's great. Uh, you said live was coming soon, and you just said like, "Don't keep asking," but I am anyway. Like, it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. I'm not gonna give you. I'm not giving you a date. I guess we're we're hoping to have it out this year, at least for um, some creators. So we're okay. not promising it for everyone this year, but we're hoping to be at least testing it with 
um, with some creators before the end of the year. I expect absolutely you would be in that group that would be cool. uh, that would be invited. Because I'd love to do that. Now the other side of that, because like okay, so you've you've committed to doing something by some time, so let's add more shit to it to make your life harder. But like one of the the only real reason I ever use live streaming on YouTube is like we have this podcast super group we put together called Unloose the Goose. We're also on Odyssey, by the way, folks. We're on Odyssey and Library. Unloose the Goose has a channel and presence there. But we do a live stream. We use Zoom conferencing, and like Zoom streams us out to YouTube. Now, I don't know if that means you have to make Zoom happy or pay them a tribute or whatever to do that, but do you see there being a way for people like us who do podcasts, conferences, etc., to stream live versus just turn my camera on and stream live. Some sort of some sort of platform integration to where if I call Jeremy and you you and I instead of just doing this on audio right now, if we were on a video stream, that I could make that go over to Odyssey or is that kind of we'll talk about that later on. We don't have time to get into that right now. I'm not 100% on this off the top of my head, but I expect that the first version of it will be the version that you are describing where you put in – it's like an RMTP or something uh, URL. Uh, mm. I expect it will work like that. Yeah, the first okay. the first version. So you're ahead of me. I don't know how that works because Zoom just has like you attach your YouTube account to it and you say stream to – Oh, okay. Streaming. Then it probably won't work exactly. Right. Uh, it's, there's there's probably another way to do it, but I'm I'm not that technical, and I don't I I don't run the conference software when we do those. I always refuse. I'm like, no, nope, one of y'all do it. So okay, gotcha. yeah, they, they they usually like OBS and other ones, and so I assume Zoom works as well. Though I don't know Zoom, um, that you can like configure a URL to like output to. Yeah, um, and and that is essentially the the way that our first version would probably work. Badass. Okay, cool. Um, this was a weird question to me, but I thought, okay, well, I ask it. You guys do this thing where like all my content gets imported. This guy, you know, he went out as an evangelist after our first interview and, and told like one like a midsize, you know, eighty thousand subscriber YouTube guy that he loves that talks to him. Hey, you should get over on Odyssey, and he said. Is there any danger that they'll demonetize me if I take advantage of this auto import? I don't think it's happened to anybody, but how would you answer that? That's that's never happened. I mean, YouTube is kind of the king of bad policy, so I can't yeah. get on here and <laughs> promise that they won't do something. Yeah. I think it would be uh, disastrous if they did it. I think if they did it, it would bring it would only help us grow more because it would be absolutely outrageous. YouTube has not. Uh, in any instance, you know, absent times that they've done contracts with creators, ever asserted that you know they own your ability to publish on other platforms. Yeah. Right? It would this also would be, be really YouTube, dumb yeah. because it would be literally shooting yourself in the foot with a big gun, because you would be specifically targeting people that already had another outlet established, right? So like if they ban stuff on Mall and you all of a sudden, oh, this is this is great. I'm on Odyssey. He has to start from ground zero. But if if he had already been there. Right. Then when you do that, the the transition would be seamless. So it would be really throwing the baby and bathwater out together. I, I agree. Okay, I said I'd ask, so I, I did. But that's kind of how I felt about it. I, I don't think either one of us can guarantee shit, though, because like you said, they're the that's like, can you guarantee that uh, that we won't be done? You know, that it won't rain tomorrow. Right, right. I can't, I can't guarantee their behavior, but it hasn't happened, and it would be, I think, 
very, very aggressive and yeah, idiotic on, on their on their part if they ever tried to do it. So um, can you give an example? You talked about apps of like a, a specific type of app that can utilize your blockchain, how that would actually work. Yeah, I mean, it works quite similar to Bitcoin in this regard, at least in, so in terms of the blockchain level. It's it's you can, you know, everything's open, everything's documented. We have a whole website, lbry.tech, that documents all of the tech, and it has both a developer's guide and a contributor's guide and other things. So um, uh, it's I can't explain it succinctly, but essentially it's, it's documented. Um, we also have an SDK. Uh, so you can basically that SDK is designed to be used and bundled with applications, uh, either web applications or in which case it would run on the backend server, uh, or it can be shipped directly with um, um, with desktop applications, in which case it's running locally on the user's computer. And that SDK basically provides a really standardized, clean set of APIs to do the this. I'm so I don't know why I'm talking. That I gave you a really jargony answer, but it will make sense to the people who, <laughs> who know what I'm talking about. You know that that you know, basically. So we we make it really clean. It's like you know, it's like coding against. It's actually almost like coding against a centralized service. That's that's the design we were trying to achieve. Yeah. Right, because we want a developer to have an easy experience um, writing as easy as possible. You know, writing an app. So our, our, we try to, you know, sort of provide a nice, clean way of interacting with the, the underlying network. Gotcha. Um, example of an app somebody asked about specifically was they wanted to. I, I, I guess this is almost like your own Netflix. I guess um, how would one be able to create an app that can utilize the library blockchain for non-public content sharing while still maintaining the ability to stake or contribute LBC or another coin as a replacement for Patreon and other services. I uh, So at this time, we're not advocating the use of library for non-public content. Okay. We don't feel that the protocol is designed to handle it. Okay. Um, there potentially could be modified to do so, but in its current form, if you're publishing something to library, you should assume that it will be accessible by other people. And if you wanted to do what he's saying, the easy way to do it would be charge money for it in your platform, which is already there, That, like we talked about earlier. Um, I do get a lot of buffering and playback issues. I don't get a lot of that. Um, so I'm saying like I'm using the exact format that you guys say to use or whatever. But I did directly upload content through the desktop app. And it played really well on a desktop app, and I think I understand why now. And it didn't play on other devices very well across the library network. Um, but when I use the YouTube shortcut, which is I upload to YouTube and you guys suck it over, I never have any issues at all. Yeah, most of our issues that we think are happening are basically happening in lower bandwidth environments. Um, okay. We still think those, that, that that's our problem to fix. Uh, but we don't think most users, uh, well, basically all users in a high, high bandwidth environment should not have issues the, the a substantial majority, the vast majority of the time. Um, there have been occasional times where there have been incidents, uh, you know, where things were a little slower or whatever, but it's really not the norm for people in high bandwidth environments. If you're in a, a, a high bandwidth environment and you're consistently experiencing slow, slow playback, I actually would like to hear from you because as far as we can tell, it's, it's, um, very, very rare, uh, that that is happening. Uh, great. Um, so. Content creation question, I guess, really would be a good one thing. Uh, 
what non-political content category is doing best right now on Odyssey? Uh, well, our, our, I don't know how many categories we're counting, <laughs> uh, we're counting as, as political. Um, all of the categories do pretty well. There are, are some that are, are doing, uh, you know, a little bit better than others, but there's, it's, it's not an especially slanted relationship. To any, to any one area. What countries are most, uh, most using your service? I, I imagine U.S. is doing really well, but are there other nations that specifically seem to have a large number of users of your service? Yeah, so it's basically English English speaking um, wealthier countries. Okay. And are we allowed to still say first world and third world? Or are those terms? I don't not, give a I, shit what anybody I, says. So. I know, but I guess <laughs> thought maybe I just yeah. check in with you. You could tell yeah. me. I don't know why I thought you could tell me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if um, I don't offend at least ten people an hour, I'm not doing my job. So okay, yeah, your donation, the donation stuff. Yeah. Uh, the the um, and then also basically Western Europe. Well, not just Western Europe, all of Europe. Okay. Um, so it's basically the English English speaking wealthier countries and all of Europe is okay. where the activity is. Okay, so then the last one, and I I'm interested in this myself. Is are you are we as creators going to have a better capability to customize our channels? Because yeah. like you know the title of my channel goes right over the banner, so my text in my banner gets overlaid by my title, and I can't. Kind of, you know, I can set up my YouTube channel to be a lot the way I want it. And I think there's room for improvement on YouTube. I think that, like, my channel page should sell me and it should sell Odyssey. It should be more landing page like so I can push traffic there and use it as part of my funnel process. Oh, that's an interesting idea to, to make that page even more like. Hey, this is my, this is me, this is my profile. Yeah. Um, that's that. I will say that that specific idea is not, it's not on my radar. So thank you, thank you again for that. Uh, it's going to get better. I can't. This is one that I can't, I can't say uh, uh, when, uh, when it will happen. Um, but everything's, everything's going to get better. I will say this, you know, because I, I just, um, and you've probably seen this already. If you start using this software, uh, you're going to see it improve incessantly. Constantly. Constantly. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Constantly. Yeah. Almost daily, so, I'm like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we're, are, do I think our software is, you know, better than, than YouTube in every way yet? It's, it's not, uh, but I think our, our trajectory, uh, is really great and much better than any YouTube alternatives. So, uh, th we're, we're working very hard and it'll come. Dude, I just want to say thank you. This is a, a this was a, a fire list with no, you had no idea what was going to be on it, and for a CEO of a company to come on and do that is freaking impressive to me. Uh, I will continue to push people to your site. Uh, I do daily videos here and there, and I put them out in my daily mail. I tend to link to the Odyssey version versus the YouTube version now and what have you, and, and I really appreciate you being with us here today. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jack. Please follow Jack on Odyssey, and I forgot to say this earlier. I want to say it now. Thank you to everyone who is using this software and who is talking about it as well. That's how we're growing. It's totally people out there being like, you got to use Odyssey. And I'm really appreciative of that. And uh, thank you to everyone who's doing that. Um, I will say, if you submitted a question and you didn't hear it answered, that Jeremy had right about an hour today and he stayed over on that and he had a meeting right up against him on it. And this was a work in. So we got as much of it as we could in. And if you have further questions or you don't feel that your question was addressed, 
get it to me, and one way or another I'll get you an answer. Maybe I'll just do an individual follow-up. I don't want to speak for them, but I think I can... I think I can reasonably translate their opinions to you so that they'll be understandable. Uh, but that was fantastic. I, again, I, having run companies, and I don't mean just like TSP where it's me, myself, and I, and my wife and the dog. But having run companies, having served as a, a chief operations officer, uh, having served as a company president to corporations with you know a couple hundred people in them, I can tell you that it is a daunting thing to go out into public and not know what you're going to be asked and face questions that came from dozens of people with no pre-screening, because I didn't screen shit. If it was a reasonable question, if it wasn't, why are you so stupid and why is your nose ugly, I included it. And he knew that going in. And yet there was nothing there that was like, you know, e-television scandalous or anything. But you still, as a, as a CEO of a company, you don't know what you're facing when you do that, and, and to be reasonable and willing to stand and answer those questions and explain them at that level of detail is not a normal thing for leadership in a technology company today. And we need more of it. And that's why I'm all in. If you want to be part of this, just sign up for an account. And, and do me a favor. Go to the survivalpodcast.com, look at this episode, or look at the links in any episode where I've linked it, and click my link and go there so I'll get a like 15 LBC that's worth about seven cents. The more people that do it, the more I get, the more I, more power I have in that ecosystem. Because I think in time, the wealth in that ecosystem is going to be more than just money you can take out of it. So I'm trying to build mine up. I'm trying to build that up. If you if you can't find a link or whatever, and you want my particular link, email me. I'll send it to you. Um, but let's. I've got some ideas for what can be done with Odyssey. And let me get, just get in there. If you make content, get on, if you have YouTube, a YouTube channel, get on Odyssey and get your content imported. I've said that for months now. But it's free, it's easy, and it works, and your content's backed up. And then you'll be ready to move when I'm ready to move. Because i got some ideas here about developing some internal groups and using the ability to share someone else's video to your channel and creating some sort of ecosystem of our own, and maybe using a third-party messenger like Telegram, and grouping like-kind creators and, and doing that. I've I, I floated it. Some people are interested. I don't have time to be a good steward of it right now. If somebody wants to take it on, go ahead, and I'll be part of it. But that's what I see. I see a lot of potential here for creators to partner on Odyssey in a way that cannot be done right now with the technology YouTube has. And I think it's really, the fact that it, that's already there is pretty amazing to me. And it, I, I really believe it's only going to get better. So be part of this thing. If you're not a creator, get on there as a consumer. There's some cool shit on there. I just watched one of the coolest videos I've ever seen about how Starship from SpaceX is going to work. You know, so I, I think there's just a lot to be offered there. And let's just be honest, Google is not your friend, and Google is YouTube. They're not your friend. They're not your friend at all. They do not share your values. This is a company that one time had as part of its customer-forward mission statement the phrase, do no evil, publicly displayed. A commitment to you to do no evil. And then, and then they took it away. They took that phrase off. It's not there anymore. It's gone. Now, it's funny to me 
Because you know what it says on the front page of Odyssey? When you, when you look at the, the main page of Odyssey? And almost a smack in the face to Big Google. In you know, different color letters, kind of like Big Google does. It doesn't say do no evil. It says flat out, don't be evil. That's a middle finger to the face, and it's one I'm happy to be part of, and I want to be behind it, not in front of it. So check out Odyssey again today. Remember, there's all the nerd stuff on the library side, and that's good, and you know that it's there. I'm using and talking about and pushing Odyssey as the main focus of my efforts at this point because branding confusion is not a good thing. The, the person that wants to use the underlying base technology of library will figure that out. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up and start out with how you can help support this show. One of the ways you can do that is by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. I have the same item of the day, so I'll be really brief on it today. It's the Turkish-made folding harvesting pruning knife. And I'm pretty sure this thing, I'm going to sell this thing out on Amazon again. I'm pretty sure of it because I looked it up, and yesterday sold 58 of them. And I can see in a single-day sale after the day is over how many I sold. And then I looked it up today, and I have to count them individually, and there was too many to count. So it's probably getting close to 100 of them. And the, like I said, the last time this thing was available, and I put it online, it sold out in one day, whatever remaining inventory they had. It was like 68 of them. And it was gone for two and a half months. I added something to the review today, though. If you want to know why I'm so jazzed up on this and you just ain't looked at it yet, I've got about a 10-minute video where I go over the tool, I explain how it works, what I love about it, what I like about it, uh, that type of thing. And I think if you, you look at this, you'll see why I say it is the most useful tool that I have for my day-to-day, -day, average, everyday gardening things other than a trowel. And in some ways, it's more useful than that because there's other things that will do what a trowel does. You want to cut something, this is the best way to do it. It is awesome. It's been made the same way for centuries for a reason. It works. And there's one source of them in the United States as of right now, and it's this, this importer called Glittering Bazaar, and the only place they sell is Amazon. So if you want one, get them while you can. Uh, I'll throw another thing out at you, though. Um, I, I brought you the sale on DeWalt Tools last week, and I told you some people got screwed where DeWalt said we're not selling anymore at that price. Uh, Tactical Redneck just emailed me and said, Lowe's has DeWalt brushless tool sets on sale right now at really good prices. So you might want to check Lowe's if, if, you, uh, if you wanted that deal and you didn't get it for one reason or another. Apparently, DeWalt, like I said, DeWalt is very brand conscious, and they allow sales at the same time for everybody, and they don't allow them at other times. So they're on sale at Lowe's, and that means they're probably on sale at Home Depot, just if you want to check in, because I think when it comes to cordless tools, you buy a premium brand. And once you select a brand, you kind of stick with it because then you have chargers, batteries, etc., all the same for everything. Now, here's what I mean by premium brand. I love DeWalt. I kind of bleed black and yellow, but I will not fault other brands. DeWalt is a premium brand. Makita is a premium band. Uh, Bosch is, is, is a pretty premium brand. Did I say Milwaukee? If not, Milwaukee's a premium brand. Did I say Rigid? I'm not sure. I lost my thought there. But Rigid, like... Those are premium brands. You have second-tier brands. Those would be like Porter Cable. And then you have bottom brands. Those are Black & Decker. Those are the Earthquake line from uh, Harbor Freight. No, don't buy that bottom end shit. It's, it's too big of an investment to make a bad one, even if you buy cheap. I, I'm just saying. 
And if you buy Porter Cable, you better get yourself a plug-in uh, skill saw because their skill saw ain't got no ass behind it. So just step up and get one of the premium brands. And if I'm a DeWalt guy and you're a rigid guy and Bill's a freaking Milwaukee guy, I don't have a problem. I, or Ryobi, they're all good brands. They all are good equipment. All right, with that, let's finish up with our song of the day today. And we are in Waylon Jennings week. Song of the day today is Honky Tonk Heroes. This song kind of comes from an interesting perspective. It's about being an outlaw and then having the whole industry chase you. And when I say outlaw or outcast, I'm not talking about being a bad guy. I'm talking about being different. At the, at the time this song came out, Waylon Jennings, the guy that wrote it, can't remember his name, people like that were starting to show up, and they were different. Country music up to that point had been kind of you know, dressed really nice and fit this mold, and they just wore their jeans and didn't give a shit and song about real things that real people really cared about. And it created kind of a mess in the whole Nashville scene, but eventually it won out. And, and what I think that has to do with the show we did today, in, in, a, in a roundabout way, but it makes perfect sense to me anyway in my messed up mind, is... Innovation always involves disruption and pulling an industry or a concept or a niche in a place that it would rather not go. Because the best thing in the world for people who have already made it and established themselves successful in anything is for it not to change. Because when it changes, it opens the door for new folks. And it opens the door for the mighty to fall. And that's what technologies, to me, like Odyssey, are doing. And, and I think Jeremy made a great point. If you're a brand-new content creator, there's probably more opportunity for you on a platform like Odyssey than there is a platform like YouTube. Because at YouTube, when you come into your niche, your, your space, your vertical, you have to then compete with a juggernaut with 4.5 million subscribers. The algorithm's all tilted in their direction. Plus, you got a company that will screw you over if they decide they don't like you. Shadow ban you, and you won't even know it because you're too small to know it. But in Odyssey, it's a new frontier. Will it always be the new frontier? Or will someday a disruptor come along? I, I think that will happen to anybody. Eventually, you grow to a certain size, and it's time for new blood, new opportunities. That's something to think about, no matter what it is that you want to do or no matter how you want to make your stake in life. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Low down, leaving sun. Done did everything that needs done. Woe is me. Why can't I see? I'd best be leaving well enough alone. Them neon lighting nights. Couldn't stay out of fights Keep a-haunting me in memories Well, there's one in every crowd For crying out loud Why was it always turning out to be me? Where does it go? The good Lord only knows Seems like it was just the other day I was down at Green Gables Hawking them tables Generally below And all my hard-earned pay Piano rolled blues Danced holes in my shoes There weren't another other way to be For lovable losers No account for
heroes like me. Hey, hey. Well. 